0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcasty with Ryan, episode 12. We are moving right along, interviewing all sorts of people with all sorts of experiences. I appreciate all of you checking out the episodes that have already aired and all the feedback. As I always say, please let me know what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. I am certainly an amateur, so... We are learning as we go. But thank you so much for the support. Thank you for the reviews on the podcast. All of that is greatly appreciated. Episode 12, we have a very special guest. We have Josh Pettit. And you probably know Josh from TikTok and Facebook. Josh Pettit recorded a famous viral video with his mother, who is battling late stages Alzheimer's. Looking into the mirror and talking to this fabulous lady in the mirror, that of course is herself. But it was just, it was heartfelt. It was, it was a bit sad, I guess, in a way too, but also just incredibly genuine. And we are so happy to have Josh on here to talk about his, his experience, Betty's experience and Bob's experience, his father. So, Josh, I hope I did justice there with your intro.
1: Oh, you did a great job. Thank you so
0: much for having me. You are so welcome. All right, so I love questions. So let's just start with, give us a little background about your family, where you all come from, what, um, you know, what your father did, what you did enjoying life with Betty and Bob growing up and so on.
1: Okay, well, uh, we're from the Buffalo, New York area, originally, um, although we live in North Carolina now. And um, I'd I lived the storybook um classic fairy tale you know family with two great parents that did a great job um i have two older siblings but there's a little there's a a 13 year age gap between myself and my other brothers um so i'm definitely the baby of the family and uh we spent a lot of time uh growing up my parents like to travel and you know go boating and camping and things like that so um they kind of those are hobbies that stick with me to this day um Mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's about 10 years ago. She, she kind of had uh, some other diagnoses first. She had a a lung cancer diagnosis and a kidney cancer diagnosis um, and hip replacement. She had a bunch of surgeries all in a row. Um, So we started to notice uh, memory issues about that time, but, but it wasn't until after we kind of dealt with those other surgeries that the, the condition got really bad and we got an official. Uh, Alzheimer's diagnosis but she was already moderate to severe at that point in time
0: okay so I know Betty's a big part of your TikTok so we're going to ask you know some questions about Betty who is just lovely I would (laughs) love to meet her one day
1: oh she's sweet for
0: (laughs) sure growing up um what was Betty's interest what did Betty do
1: she was the classic um you know sitcom um stay at home mom and housewife. So she, you know, she cooked, she cleaned. She got my dad ready for work and out the door, took care of all the kids, you know, ran us to and from school and Cub Scouts and, you know, all that, all that type of stuff. Just really, um, you know, did a good job taking care of the flowers and the garden around the house and just keeping, keeping things immaculate. So um, she really took pride in being in that being her job or her career.
0: I could totally see that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but she was definitely the, the main caregiver for everyone forever.
0: <laughs> right. So at what just for those listening who might have a parent that they believe could be in early, early stages. I mean where just are they getting forgetful or is there something else? What what were some of the earliest signs that you, your brothers, your father saw, that just didn't quite add up.
1: Yeah, she started kind of like repeating stories a lot or repeating things she was telling you. Um, She started shuffling a lot of things around. If there were papers in the kitchen or maybe I made piles of things that were all organized, she would kind of come and shuffle, uh, nervously shuffle these things around and rearrange them. she kind of lost the ability to remember uh, phone number and address type stuff. Now, it was along the period of time that they retired, and so their address and phone number changed. Um, so it was kind of like, it's not like she forgot her longtime phone number and address, but then all of a sudden when she had a new one, it was, um, it was kind of impossible for her to ever really retain getting her phone number right or her address right. Um, and she covered really well um we've ne- she's never been aware or admitted or talked about having any kind of problems so she always kind of i think just mentally lived in denial um but we she saw is, these she signs never,
0: she never said um you know i i don't know what's going to happen in the future but I just want you to know at this moment, I love you. You know, none of that type of. No, nope,
1: no. Nope. She never, never really acknowledged that there was a, a, a memory issue or even that she was having any trouble. She just covered well. Well, you didn't tell me these things or I didn't know, or I can't remember the new phone number. I don't, you know, she would go to the grocery store or we'd go to the grocery store with her, you know, and she didn't really uh, know how to check out with the pin pad and the debit card, although some of that technology was kind of becoming new at the time and wasn't really what she was used to, but she, she really was, um, quickly, you had to kind of, you know, take care of her in those, in those aspects. And she, she leaned on my father heavily to, you know, manage all those details of what their new phone number was and how they were paying for groceries and, and that, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, she never. She's always kind of lived in denial, and you know, to this day, she, you know, we we'll go to doctor's visits and it's discussed in front of her. And now I don't think she cognitively gets that we're even talking about her. But early on, she she never really um, admitted that there was any kind of issue, whether she really knew or not. I, I don't know if the covering aspect is um, subconscious. You know mm. to, to kind of cover that oh you didn't tell me or i, I didn't hear you or or whatever or if it's intentional that i don't know
0: yeah that's interesting especially if years ago when it was discussed in front of her doctor did she just sit there and listen
1: well by the time yeah by the time by the time we officially dealt with that so we kind of had some of these cognitive issues and then we we went through this lung surgery they removed like a third of her lung because of cancer. We didn't have to do chemo and radiation, which was good. But um, but then she, she got sepsis from that surgery. So each one of these things kind of like knocked her um, her down a bit to the point that you weren't sure what was normal. Uh, we didn't quite ever come back to baseline after the surgeries, but some of those things could have been, you know, a result of being sick or having having surgery or having infection. Um, And so kind of every time we kept losing a little bit of ground there, but uh, in a follow-up from the lung cancer, I think about a year in, then they discovered like a second, a secondary cancer of kidney cancer. So then we kind of went down the road again of another surgery. Um, And they say the, the anesthesia can help accelerate this too. So Um. by the time we went through all of this and she just, she wasn't normal from the first surgery, on, I think those those things brought out the the symptoms uh, extra heavy. But by the time we got through the, you know, the different surgeries and actually went, okay, now we're gonna go see a neurologist because there's definitely something wrong with your memory now. You know, at that point when they tested her, they're like, she's moderate to severe. So we were already in the, we were already in the middle of the scale when we officially talked to a neurologist.
0: Gotcha. So from a emotional standpoint for you, your father, your siblings. When you let's go even before the official diagnosis, how did how did you cope or handle because a lot of people are the caregivers, the children, the grandchildren. How did you how did you deal with the realization that this was beginning to happen?
1: You know, it, it, we started to suspect it based on some of those symptoms that I was talking about. And we had a few conversations when my dad and brothers would go golfing or something, and we'd say, you know, I think mom's having having memory issues. Um, it didn't really click to us that it was as bad as we as it was. We had a few, you know, there were a few odd incidents along the way where you're like, gee, that's weird. How did, why did she do that? Or things you found out after the fact. Um, and then it really hit us my, my parents were retired and they were living in, a, in an RV down in Florida in their retirement when she got the diagnosis of cancer. And they had come up to visit me for the summer. And at, at that visit, we decided um, maybe it would be best that they don't go back to Florida, that we go sell their RV and they just stay here with me so we can have consistency in seeing doctors and support in, in that process. So my dad and I went to Florida to clean out and sell the RV. And we left her home alone because she was, you know, capable of staying by herself at that point. Or so we thought, um, we had my nephew who was in his twenties come and spend the evening at my house just so that she wasn't like alone alone, but it wasn't like we had someone be with her or manage any part of her care. And when we returned, she had actually taken an entire week's worth of pills because my dad had, had them all in boxes by days. And I think she got confused during while we were gone and took, you know, took too much medicine. And happily there was no harm from her doing that. But that was kind of the light bulb moment of, oh, we really, we didn't realize like we needed to manage the medicine. My dad always did. You know, he had the boxes and he'd get the pills out at night and give them to her. But he would do that with his own pills. So it wasn't like we felt like we needed to manage the medicine. It was just something he did. But then we had that light bulb moment of. Oh, she she really kind of lost track of what day it was because she wasn't able to handle a box that said Monday, a box that said Tuesday, you know, with the a.m. p.m. bedtime type
0: things. Right. So, did this? Um, did you have a morning period? Did, were you sad? Were you angry? Were you confused? How were you handling this? Because you know, it's all it's all part of the family circle.
1: Right. Right. I I think we would have. I think we were we were kind of thrown right into the. The cancer fight at that point of the different surgeries and things with that, so it it went to the back burner, the the mental um, cognitive aspect, and we we kind of lived and and mourned and, and battled that cancer of diagnosis. This could be bad. The surgery. How she recovered. You know the the ups and downs of that, um, and then it kind of hits you. You know, and it, it, at that point it was it was like a light switch. Um, At that point, she was kind of cognitively gone. And um, yeah, there is a little bit of a mourning process like where you kind of realize your mom is not, she's not the same person she was when I grew up. I mean, there's definitely elements of her that are still there, but she's a a very different person,
0: obviously. So in a way, do you have to sort of, that you still have your mother, but in a way you have, um, resigned to the fact that this is a new reality. Yeah.
1: Like, like my, my mother that I know and love is, is gone for all intents and purposes. You know, her physical being is here and you know, some, some traits that she has, the kindness and such still come through, but you know, you can't really have a conversation. I mean, we have, we have little conversations, but they're, um, her, her conversation is kind of her just covering, you know, she's got things to say back to you or she'll answer questions. Um, there's no more you, you, you can't really reminisce or if you say you know she can't really tell you about things when you were little something came up the other day when I was trying to remember um, I think it was somewhere we went as on a trip that I fell as a little kid and dad couldn't remember what I was talking about and I was I had that moment of mom would know where like we talked about it for years that I you know I took a header it turns out it was Myst, I think it was mystic seaport uh, i took a header and got a black eye from falling on the cobblestones you know but like i couldn't ask her so that's that's kind of where those moments it feels like she's gone when you're not able to you know tap into those memories that you you would have as a from a child from childhood
0: right and and your father how has he um managed the storm
1: it's definitely i think he's gone through his mourning period as well you know where he obviously he's still got her and they still love each other, but it's, it's the same sort of thing. It's, it's a different person. Um, he'll talk to her and tell her stories and things. I mean, sometimes I, I can hear him downstairs reminiscing about, you know, when they were kids or, you know, young adults or whatever years ago. And it's, it's almost like a scene from that movie, the notebook, you know, he's telling her about it and yes. she kind of nods her head and uh, huh. Uh-huh, I remember that. Yeah. you like, But she's just, those are just responses that she has almost subconscious to uh, to get through a conversation. She, I don't think she really remembers. I think there's very few moments here and there that, you know, lucidity comes through that she remembers, remembers things. So it's it's a different person a different person for him and, and so he and i try to take some respite and stuff and we've got a caregiver that comes in and you know he enjoys having real conversation with me or her because the conversation with my mother is not really any kind of meaningful conversation you know it's just day-to-day you know chatting or, or whatever but he can't really discuss a tv show or a news story i mean she'll listen and she'll agree or or not along but it's not like you can have have a conversation and, and you don't really realize that that's that's kind of a thing until you're, you know, trying to have a conversation with a stuffed animal and they're not really, you know, not really interacting back with you or, or giving you any insight to the
0: conversation. Right. Yeah. You, I mean, from when people check out your, uh, Facebook or TikTok, you can, and one of the reasons I was attracted to your, your social media is through all you just said, your mother will look at your father and like I said, I've never met them, but some things are universal. And when they, when she looks at him, it's like she knows she's where she's supposed to be. Right, right. They st- I mean, that of the love is there,
1: here. no matter what. Um, and what's interesting now is, is what's kind of happening. She'll she'll still remember me, or if we say if, if he says that's Josh, but a lot of times, like if she's by herself and one of us walks in the room we're both Bob. So if I walk close to her or walk into the room, you know, and she's looking for, generally what happens is she's with the caregiver and she's content until one of us gets within sight. And then she, you know, she wants to get our attention. She wants us and, and she'll call me Bob because obviously I, I look like a younger version of my father. And so I think in her head, you know, she just, she knows that I'm safe too, but I think safe right now is boiling down to Bob. Um, you know, and she'll she'll be asking me, Bob, take me home, or Bob, are we ready to go? And you know, sometimes I just go along with it, and other times, you know, I'll be like, I'm Josh, you know, and then she's like, Oh, I know that, you know, but but right.
0: uh So she is fully aware of who your father is at all times.
1: For sure, for sure. Well,
0: isn't that interesting? Because yet you and your brothers it's hit and miss. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's it's definitely I mean, I'm around all the time, so it's it's definitely more likely that she remembers me Um, and that's that's new that she's starting to not but she she maybe can't name who i am but she definitely recognizes me so there's still that familiarity like i say maybe i look like him Um, i have another brother that her the oldest brother doesn't doesn't see her very often Uh, he's not in the area but the, the middle brother lives in the area and typically comes once a week and again, she kind of knows who he is, but there's there's a little bit of time where she doesn't really, you know, she might ask who he is or he has to tell her who who he is.
0: Right. You know, I've heard stories where people who um, played the piano, they can still play the piano, or they can still type on a typewriter or something from way back in their past that they can still just uh, chat like like it's fresh on their mind. Is there anything that your mom, that your mother can recall that she's just as sharp as ever?
1: We were just talking about this the other day, which is kind of funny. She she didn't have much of a temper um, when I was growing up. She was pretty even keeled. But now, and she is now, but, you know, getting her dressed, giving her a shower, um, caregiver assisting her in the bathroom or a cleanup in the bathroom. Those things aggravate her and she gets angry and she'll yell and she does not it's funny when she's angry and wanting to yell you know it might be you're hurting me or leave me alone even though nobody's hurting her nobody's you know they're just maybe they're pulling the pants up or maybe we're cleaning her up or whatever but it's, it's funny how she doesn't forget any of those words she doesn't struggle for any of those words um and then it even can be my father she gets mad at him too if he's the one getting her dressed in the morning um but yeah, it's, it's funny how <laughs> of all things that that come naturally to her is that you're getting angry and, you know, do you hear me? You know, leave me alone. Don't touch me. You know, that right. gets those sentences out. No problem. But if you have a conversation, she, she struggles to sometimes now to put a whole sentence together. Um, and it's ups and downs throughout the day. But we were just kind of laughing about. When she's angry, she remembers. Right. Um, someone else had suggested music, and I, I did a video where I sang. As a as a child, she she always sang me the song "You Are My Sunshine," and I did a video of singing her that song, and it was like she lit up and she almost knew the words, you know, for a brief moment. Um, so it's funny how there there's a few ways to kind of unlock a core memory, but for the most part, um, we haven't found. I mean, she was she was big into cooking and cleaning and she just physically doesn't do any of those things anymore. Um, we've gotten some of the baby dolls and and that kind of keeps her interested, but she almost, I can't get her to hold it. Like, like she would have held a baby when she was grandma, you know? Right. She's had experience holding lots of babies. She's got four grandchildren uh, that are grown now, but she's done her fair share of holding babies. And it's funny. She just doesn't really, it's not even like a muscle memory as to how to, how to deal with a baby. right which a lot of a lot of people say that that's that's a trigger for a lot of women is you know bring the baby doll in and the the mother instincts come right back but right um, we're still kind of searching for those things for her
0: right so mute so music i know one video you did johnny cash is there music that she just snaps and
1: yeah the older stuff she likes johnny cash or kenny rogers or like i said that you are my sunshine song she seemed to know that right away and could almost sing along to it
0: right um so as you move as you move forward um and for those who are have parents that are struggling i noticed you've mentioned several times how important it is for you and your dad to have time away
1: that was the biggest lesson we we he was very resistant to it for a long time and people kept telling me you have to have respite. and of course i i mean i'm a caregiver but my dad's the primary caregiver they just happen to live with me which makes it easier so i i still go out for work things i still go out with my friends i go on trips you know i'm in and out i, I i'm thankfully i'm not really tied to have to be here 24 7 but he is and he wouldn't he wouldn't want to ever like leave her overnight or anything but um uh, you know, it's definitely harder when I'm not around. So that was one of the things uh, about, a, about a year and a half ago, we, uh, you know, I, I had to really work to persuade him because he thought, we don't really need, we don't need that kind of help. We don't need, but we were starting to have difficulty giving her a bath and stuff. She was really resistant to my father doing that. And, and so we brought a caregiver in for a few hours, twice a week, who, you know, gave us the opportunity to go out and play golf or go out and go to lunch. And, or go to dinner or whatever and, and just go shopping and have conversations that weren't interrupted. Uh, Cause she'll sit there and go, you know, Bob, Bob, you know, she'll want attention. She'll want to go home. She'll want to do whatever. So it's even hard. It's like having a small child. It's hard to have a conversation. Um, right. So that was a huge thing. And we discovered like a caregiver can make shower time or bath time go a lot easier than we were, we were having, you know, like it just, it was becoming part of a routine. And over time we've increased that that help um he had my dad's had two strokes one he had right in the heart of her having like she had the lung cancer and the kidney cancer and some other surgeries and he had one stroke right in the heart of that which is about eight or nine years ago and then he had one i think in june of this year thankfully they didn't um they one affected his balance and one affected his vision but uh he's been able to kind of recover recover from that but we definitely amped up the help after his stroke because uh, two reasons I want to take it easy on him and not you know not put such a burden on him taking care of her but also I want to I want to have a, a team on the bench of people that I can call on because if, if he gets sick or goes down for any reason you know then there is a an immediate immediate need for her care so having people that I can call on to help that are already in the routine kind of essential
0: right and like many things if if you're not in a good place you're not going to be in a good place for your mother
1: right exactly exactly so that being able to refresh gives us the patience and the energy and the you know the the drive to continue and and try to make it the best best scenario possible for sure
0: yeah so you highly recommend for people out there who have family with alzheimer's that it doesn't mean you're neglecting them if you step away for a bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anything you can do to get some respite care. And a lot of, you know, I I didn't take advantage of it for a long time, but I had a lot of, there's more people that are affected by this disease than I realized until we started really talking about it. But there, there were a lot of people I didn't take up on the offer for a long time who had mothers or grandparents or you know just knew about it that would that would say you know hey if you want me to come sit with her for a little bit or you know I'd love to come hang out for a little bit. And we didn't always take advantage of this because it felt like an imposition of someone coming over to the house and sitting with her while we go out to to eat or something. But I wish I had. Uh, I wish gotcha. we had taken more advantage of that because those those little bits of time would have gone a long way so uh, right. even if you can't even if you can't pay somebody you know to come in and help there may be there's a lot of people that may be willing to just come you know spend a, spend an hour or two with with your loved one so that you can you know go out to the store or go shopping for some clothes or you know just something on your own to, to get yourself out um, you know and then obviously if you if you you know can afford it it's kind of a kind of a weird place with care my mother's my mother is not on hospice yet so i think if she were on hospice they would send someone a couple times a week to help with a shower and check up on her and stuff we're on palliative care so someone comes every i don't know six or eight weeks to kind of check on her general health but they don't really provide like on medicare and their insurance they don't really get any kind of insurance that or any kind of uh, home care or anything that would would give, give you the ability to take a break, which is unfortunate. It seems like there's, a, is. there's a hole in that, in that area of like, you know, you could put her in a home and then she'd have that kind of care, or you could try to keep her at home, but then we're not going to help you at all. Um, it would seem like there'd be, there'd be a gap for a lot of people. If you can't afford to just hire a little bit of help on your own, that if, if insurance and such could provide a little help, it would, it would probably keep some lot right. of a, out of a nursing home situation.
0: Right, because that's something that you guys wanted to avoid at pretty much all costs. Yeah, right? for
1: sure. If we can keep her at home, um, definitely that's our that's our option. She's got so much so much better care. I mean, some people you know don't have that option, and there you know there are good homes and bad homes. Um, you know, and there there we've talked to a lot of nice caregivers that work in homes. So I mean, not I'm not looking down on anybody that right. has to put their loved one in the memory care, but you know for us our our goal is you know while we're able to keep her home for sure to try to do that
0: right because some people you know the spouse may have passed on or they have to work or you know they're across the country I mean, who knows yeah okay. you're right there's lots of dynamics um with her what about um uh, their social circle of friends how how did that play out
1: So they had, they had, they didn't have a lot of friends their age here because they were living in Florida. So they, they lived in like one of those retirement communities with RVs that, you know, everybody was kind of their age, their circle of friends was slowly getting smaller because people were, it was kind of the the time of life that everybody, somebody was getting sick, passing away, you know, going back to live with their children. So it was a little bit sad that their circle was getting, getting smaller and they kind of became one of those one of those people. Uh, My father does keep up with some of their, you know, some of their friends that are still alive, you know, through Facebook and and such. And we've got a good circle of friends that they met here. When they they came here, they started coming to my church and met a lot of my friends and things. So they they definitely connected with some people here, but just, you know, not really like a core, not a core group of their own age. There there was a senior group of churches they participated in some, um, you know, before she got really too sick. And then COVID happened and that kind of you know slowed all that stuff down too
0: right so before we uh, move on here to your social media and you know your kind of your mission there out for advice for those you know we talked about you know getting away having home health care if you can ways to maneuver that at is there a point where you decide we have we have to either have 24-7 24 7 care or we're going to have to put her in some type of memory care like is there a threshold or is it just to kind of pl- kind of l- learn as you go
1: my wake-up call was him getting sick like it all my whole world works right now that you know he's he's able to be the primary caregiver uh, but when he when he went down it, it was very scary that you know we, we we weren't really i was not expecting another another stroke because it had been so long and it had been about eight or nine years between them Um, And it happened at the worst possible time. I was out of town in Las Vegas for work. And my brother that lives here was also out of town. So like all the family was not, you know, within range. And and so immediately, you know, I had him going to the hospital and her sitting at home with a neighbor, you know, like, so it was, it was an immediate situation and I was able to get, I was glad I had that bench of caregivers and I was able to get someone to come because I couldn't get home to like a red eye. So, you know, someone, someone came and stayed with her for like 17 hours before I could get back just because Vegas is a little bit, a little bit far, right? Um, So I was glad we had that in place, but that, that definitely was the wake up call and happily the catalyst that, that had us increase the help is a few weeks prior to that. He had a, a cataract surgery and that part of that cataract surgery is you can't bend over for a week. And so we had people in all day, every day, just to, you know, be his hands and and help him so that he wasn't bending over, picking up anything, or having to help change your pants or socks or anything right. like that. So happily, we had kind of just dipped our feet in with that of having more help, and then it, you know, ended up being a, a little bit of a necessity. Um, you know, now he's he's back, you know, to where he was before, so there's no trouble. We had um, some some people that couldn't come. We couldn't get workers this last weekend, and so it wasn't a big deal. I was around, and you know, it's no big deal to not have the help. It's nice to have the extra help if I happen to be out of town or something.
0: Right. So, at what point? So you you know you have you have hundreds of thousands of followers on Facebook and TikTok, and we talked. You know, in my intro, I talked about the mirror video. How did that change your life? That video.
1: You know, that was a total, a total accident, but we were, I had taken them to the beach for the week of Thanksgiving and the beach house had a full length mirror and I kind of just caught her talking to herself like that on the way into their bedroom and filmed it, thought it was cute. I've always, um, putting my parents on social media is not anything new. I've done that since the dawn of social media with all their silly antics and things. So anytime anything silly happened or if we had the opportunity to laugh at one or the other kind of laugh at ourselves um i have always kind of put that on social media even before mom was sick we made some silly videos and, and she always kind of enjoyed doing that and maybe even enjoyed the attention of that um you know just kind of being silly on social media or silly on videos and so i took that video Silly! This was something my 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 uh, friends used to always joke. They're like, "You need a reality series with your parents," you know, because they would just follow my Facebook and I'd see people at church on Sunday, and they would say, "Oh my gosh, it was so funny when your mother did this or your dad did this," and they got such a kick out of it. So I just put that thing on my Facebook, which was only to my friends, um, you know, just being funny. And one of my friends wrote to me and said, "That thing's gonna go viral." you Know, I kind of just laughed. I'm like, okay, well, I didn't even put it where it was the public could see it, and I thought that was funny. But as a farce, I went ahead and uploaded it to TikTok, of which I had only done some silly lip sync, I'd done some silly TikTok things myself on there. And then we woke up in the morning and it was like, oh, there's 10,000 people saw this. And, and you know, by lunch, it was oh my gosh, it's 30,000 people. You know, it just kept growing, and the comments it kept going and going. And it, you know, all my previous TikToks had. 20 views tops and maybe one comment, you know, just (laughs) it was like, wow, I've never seen, you know, I couldn't even keep up with it. Um, And then it was on that trip that then people were like, I want to see more of Bob and Betty. And I kind of the light bulb went off that for years, my friends have always enjoyed following these antics. And now there's a whole group of strangers that want to see, you know, what kind of fun these two are having. So I started digging up some older videos and and reposting them. I started making new videos. And then we started to get so many nice messages of people that were, I did not realize how many people were affected by this disease that had a mother, a father, a a grandma, you know, people just, it, the the messages we got were just so heartwarming and so touching. And, and people were, people were legitimately wanting to understand. Does she not recognize it's herself in a mirror? You know, there was a whole group of people that didn't even understand the disease, that that was even something possible. Um, and then there were a lot of other people that had dealt with it that, you know, just wanted to see and connect with, with someone else going through it. And so that was when we kind of made the decision. We're like, okay, like this is, this is a broader, a broader reach that we, we could have here and and kind of teach more people about this disease and kind of show what our life
0: is like on a daily basis. Right. And I, I love the daily videos, you know, just what I like, you know, she's drinking her coffee and you're like, (laughs) mom, what are you doing? Right nothing yep (laughs) you know they're they're just very relatable and you for those of you who've not watched the videos please go to josh pettit and you'll see you know you'll know exactly where you are you'll see lots of videos with his parents and himself and i can't i need to know your hint because i mean i have an amazon wish list, and i'll get some cute stuff here or there every couple months but your mother she is spoiled (laughs) rotten
1: so it blew up last christmas Um, it was really funny. The mirror video went viral and it, and it got picked up by like overseas. It got picked up on like the daily mail and it got, there was an interview we did and it was like popular overseas, but there wasn't a lot of popularity in the U S and so that first Christmas was kind of overseas and it, and it happened and died down quickly. And then it seemed to go a whole other Christmas or a whole other year to the fall. And I made a video where she wanted a cookie one morning for breakfast and I kind of was being snarky and I'm like, you can't have a cookie for breakfast. You know, you, you wouldn't have given me a cookie as a kid. Would you have given me a cookie, you know? And, and, and I wouldn't let her have it, but I was, I was being funny. We actually did it as two parts. The second part, dad gave her the cookie, but I posted the first part where I didn't give her the cookie and the internet outcried about not giving her the cookie. And that started a parade of people wanting to send her cookies. So it started first with cookies, and then it it progressed into, like, her birthday's December 1st and Christmas season, and the cookies turned into cookies and blankets and stuffed animals and slippers and, you know, all kinds of things. And so then uh, local newspaper picked it up, local news, CNN, uh, several other media things picked it up last Christmas. Not only the original Mirror video, but then also talking about the entire world sending her these presence from from everywhere. And so that kind of was like another push of growth for us and another opportunity to reach more people. Um and we've we've since worked hard to channel all the gifts towards our Alzheimer Association fundraiser because obviously we we're very blessed and, you know, we we really don't need that many that many things. We want to be able to do a, a greater good through a Alzheimer Association fundraiser. But that was kind of where that popularity came from, all because we wouldn't give her cookies for breakfast
0: (laughs) yeah i mean she i I she gets yeah like you said slippers and t-shirts and baby dolls and a a toy dog and um, yeah christmas christmas
1: time it literally was like a like a vehicle worth of boxes every day It it was a little bit insane we're like oh my gosh we're drowning in cardboard you know just opening things
0: you know a lot of there's a lot of people with Alzheimer's, and probably a lot of people that are on social media. I mean, not millions, but what do you think draws people to your mother?
1: I think the like the original video was just how kind she was to herself. She was she was truly the, the little sweet old lady uh, smiling at herself. I mean, she high fived herself in the mirror. Um, she, you know, just was as kind as could be, and that that kind of was the human interest angle from the beginning is you know someone to be that kind to a stranger you know when you're really you should be that kind to yourself and most people aren't um so that was kind of the irony is that you know she really she was being that kind to a total stranger um someone this christmas and there's a video that we posted but someone sent a full-length mirror at christmas time and i think it was christmas day my brother's my, my brother was over for dinner and i, I waited for him because it was this ginormous box to open and I, I waited for his help to kind of get it out and up and, and we set it up next to her at the dinner table, you know, and, and, and again, she, we didn't have to set it all up. We just put the mirror there and she started talking to herself and she, even to this stranger on Christmas day was like, do you have a warm place to stay? Like she was making sure that that person had somewhere warm to be. Um, so that's, it's funny that that, that is a, a trait of hers that, Still come
0: wow. out the
1: the kindness and the taking care of people, and uh, it's funny how you know we didn't even have to work at that. We literally just propped a mirror next to her, and it
0: happened. So, right, that way. is an amazing story. Yeah. yeah, So that was
1: it. Was definitely a lot of fun. We we we've had an abundance of of gifts and. Still, I, I actually have some Christmas gift videos still in the hopper that I haven't even posted them all yet. so every once in a while I, I, I still release like a new gift video but most of those happen around Christmas time. but we still do get a few things here and there which is, which is great. It gives uh, you know people said well it's overwhelming to her or whatever but honestly it was a nice distraction for her and my father because it gave them you know stuff to do to go through these new things and read all these notes we've got so many cards and letters from all over the world and my dad gets a real kick out of out of that you know people have written almost like pen pals you know to my to my dad or to her um there's a there's a kindergarten class in uh albany new york that kind of adopted her i remember year. those and videos sending all these all these little homemade you know pictures and booklets and gifts and it was so sweet um they really got a kick out of interacting with this betty and we ended their school year with a with a video call, which they love. They practiced the You Are My Sunshine song for her. And and that it was just such a great job by that teacher of of being able to have the opportunity to teach about the disease. And um, you know, just instilling in these kids from the kindergarten age up of, you know, paying attention to our our older generation and and having love and kindness for them.
0: I love that. That oh and we so haven't you,
1: gotten anything from her new class yet, but she did message me like her new—it's uh, Miss Tunney—and she calls them the Tunny Bunnies. And she's like, "I'm having my new crop of Tunney Bunnies start this week." And, and oh, proceed. good. So I'm I'm expecting uh, at some point here, maybe for Thanksgiving or something, we're going to probably get a class from uh, a gift from the new class.
0: Right. And you mentioned kind of the the broader the broader mission here with uh, Alzheimer's research and so on. Uh, where can people go for that and what do you what's your hope when it comes to this disease
1: obviously and they're they they seem really close to having a cure um you know not that this is something that's going to save betty at this point or even my generation but we may be able to to work on a cure for uh those younger than me For that next generation. So, you know, they're making they're making progress in the research and the medicines and and such to to be able to to counteract this disease. So, my hope is that with the funding through the Alzheimer's Association, that you know, in five or ten years, we can we can say that this disease you know doesn't exist anymore, which would be
0: kind of like polio or something like that. Right. Exactly. And it's what's you, they can just Google end Alzheimer's or Alzheimer's Association. Yeah, the
1: Alzheimer's Association. We've got a we've got a website for my mom where I have links to everything, and it's I'mBetty.com. And on there we have a link to our Alzheimer's Association fundraiser. It takes you. We don't collect and handle the money ourselves. It takes you to a page for Betty on the Alzheimer's Association website, so they can give directly to um, to that. But they can go to I'mBetty.com or the links in my social media profiles. I have the donation link there. um, And and there's a little you'll see the the goal and the number of, you know, number of dollars we collected last year. So they do a fundraiser every year for the longest day, which is the longest day of the year in the summer, the summer solstice, with the premise of the day with the most light is the day we're going to shine the light on this disease. And so last year, the the fundraiser just wrapped up and it started new September 1st. But last year we raised over $40,000, which was excellent. um, I think we were like the 17th largest or 17th biggest individual team in the united states so we were real proud that we were able to direct direct that many of our followers to to give and and so we're we've started a new fundraiser this year and and it would be great you know if all it's one of those things if if all of our followers would give a dollar or two dollars you know it would be it would be an insane amount of money which
0: would be oh my god yes i mean because on TikTok I know you're over 300,000 followers
1: and then Facebook is so if you do if you do them all there's you know three quarters of a million followers easily so if everybody gave a dollar if everybody gave ten dollars it would be an insane amount of insane amount of money for them so
0: absolutely um, absolutely work
1: work towards that and we 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 definitely wanted to try to help channel I mean we appreciated all the gifts we got but we only needed so many gifts and want to do you know want to help more people than just my mother
0: right and that, I think that's what I think that's what draws people in is your heart is truly in the right place.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we try. Once we figured out we had this platform, then you know, we kind of felt like, you know, good and bad. You know, we, we share good moments and bad moments and some people criticize us for sharing the bad moments, but then other people appreciate seeing that, you know,
0: well, you want to make it realistic, right?
1: The disease is not always her looking happy. Um, you know, waving at herself in the mirror. Sometimes she's just crying because she wants to go home and doesn't know where she is, and that's just that's also part of the disease. And and you know, I think it's
0: sundowning. I know exactly. Is
1: so it helps people see that you know before, uh, hopefully before they have to deal with it with a, with a loved one, and and maybe they can better understand and and maybe see ways that we we respond to it. Not that we're the best caregivers in the world. It's a learning experience every day. But um, we've definitely gotten a lot of tips and. Information from others and and shared that and we've shared things out. Somebody even wrote, as silly as it was, um, you know, my dad had this stroke and I had posted about it. It affected half his field of vision, and there was a nurse that wrote to us just the other day that her husband was having that issue with half his field of vision went away and she had to like fight to take him to the ER. But she had remembered seeing our video about my dad having the stroke, and they went to the ER and sure enough, he was having a stroke. And they were able to give them the clot busting medic- medicine. So it's kind of that was kind of validation for us that had we not um, just gone ahead and shared what we share on social media that, you know, it, that's at least one bit of information that helped one person. So if you exactly. I guess if you get help one person, the world's a better place. And I like to think that we've probably helped more than one person.
0: Right. That is a perfect story to kind of exemplify what you all are trying to do here. And that's awareness. Exactly. So in closing here, Josh, I have, this has been amazing. Um, for those who do have family who have Alzheimer's, whatever the stage, what is your biggest piece of advice?
1: I mean, it's going to be hard to have patience. It's going to be, there's going to be days that it's not going to seem like you're doing a good job, but you know, you just need to keep on keeping on and having patience and and showing love. Um, Cause I feel like even though they're confused um, if you can try to make it as comfortable for them as possible um, that's really the best thing you can do to, to give them comfort um, and then second secondly go ahead and try to take advantage of some help so that you can have breaks and recharge your your batteries as a caregiver because it's just like that airplane analogy you know you have to put your life mask your uh, oxygen mask on first before you can help somebody. Yes. So you you have to make sure that you're not getting burned out in that in that regard either. Um, yes. You know if that's if that's through support groups. I mean the Alzheimer's Association has access to a lot of re- uh, resources. They've got a hotline. So if you need anything, you can call and get get resources available. I mean there are support groups and things. Our struggle really kicked up during the COVID um, era, so I didn't end up seeking out any physical support groups. But during that time, which was the most difficult because it was like she got the worst at that point in time and we were locked down, not going anywhere. I wasn't traveling. We weren't recharging our batteries anywhere. Um, I did reach out. I mean, there's even some great like Facebook groups for Alzheimer um, support, caregivers, and, and just tapping into that and realizing, oh my gosh, this is happening to somebody else. I'm not alone was such a huge, a huge help.
0: Well, I want to thank you, Josh, for sitting with me here on the podcast and telling your story about um, your mother, your father, and your 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 part in this. Because you know, you're like you said, everyone is affected by this disease. So, I just want to really give you props for all that you're doing. I know it's not easy, and you know, I think people will check this out and check out your pages and I mean if it doesn't pull at your heartstrings I don't know what will <laughs> right right for sure so, well
1: I appreciate you having me on and and will we'll be willing to tackle such uh, diverse subjects
0: absolutely and I just want to thank all of you for listening this is episode 12 of podcasting with Ryan talking with Josh Pettit about himself his mother Betty and his father Bob thank you all for listening and until next time just be a decent human being bye bye